everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil is not here today. He's out. But this is the Movie Pals Podcast. And today's podcast is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. They're open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. If you're looking for a gift for your avid comic book fan or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. So in today's episode, this is episode six, we are going to be going over what we're watching. Uh, very brief on news today. We have a topic submitted by a viewer in which we will re- reveal who won our Waterfront Comics giveaway that we talked about in episode five, last pod. And then we will be reviewing the new It movie. Let's start out here with what we're watching. Hey, what are you watching? So what are you watching, Marco? Um, I actually just finished two of my favorite shows. Um, I finished Master of None, uh, which stars Aziz Ansari. Oh, nice. I, uh, I still need to finish that. Yeah. Um, Nabil actually mentioned it a few episodes ago, and he sort of reminded me that it's streaming on Netflix right now. So it's the second season that I just finished. Um, again, it's a show that was uh, created by, well, co-created by Aziz Ansari and uh, Alan Yang. And basically, it follows actor Dev, played by Anzari, who tries to figure out all aspects of life, including careers, love life, friends, social experiences, just basic stuff that we go through every day. Uh, but it's it's very modern, and it speaks to today's time. It has a lot of good social commentary, and the way that uh, the writing portrays it is very entertaining. So um, I highly recommend it. It has like a really good blend of comedy and drama. And if you're looking for a new show to check out on Netflix and you haven't seen it yet, it's streaming right now. No, yeah, I've seen episode, actually season one, and I think season one was super good. So season two has been on my queue for a while. I'm just catching up on a lot of things, but I'm really looking forward to finishing that out because... Like you said, it's super funny. And I, I'd say even like season one starts out really, really funny. And then yeah. it kind of turns really serious at times. But I actually like that blend of like showing you how life is. It's like it's not always rainbows and butterflies, <laughs> no. I guess. It, sometimes it gets pretty dark and you have to make choices in life. And a season sorry does really, really well in that. Show. Yeah, it'll take you on. Life will take you on a roller coaster, and there'll be some good aspects of it, some bad aspects of it. But all, all in all, like we're all living through it. And the the second season sort of it intertwines the the comedy and the seriousness a little bit better. Nice. So where it's not like as spread out, but it's all kind of melded together, and that that's one of the things that I liked about it. And I mean, this is just my personal opinion, but season two is a fucking masterpiece in my opinion. It's yeah. it's just so different and unique than any other shows that that are out there right now and that that's what i like it's it's challenging the norm and i like i like shows that tend to do that i mean it's fun to you know watch uh you know a regular sitcom or tv show on one of the big networks but every once in a while you just crave something a little bit different so nice yeah uh the other show i've been watching is Atlanta, which is on FX, and I, th- another show I need to watch. Yeah, dude, you need to check it out. Um, it's uh, it stars Donald Gl- oh, Donald Glover, yeah. as I botch his name, who recently got casted as young Lando in the new Han Solo movie, Untitled. Yeah, the Untitled Han Solo movie, written and starring him, of course. Um, many of you know Donald Glover as Childish Gambino, but as we all know, he's going to be retiring that moniker pretty soon. So yeah, supposedly. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, it's about two cousins who try to make it in the rap scene in Atlanta, and Donald Glover plays Ern. Well, his full name's Ernest, but they call him Ern. Um, and he's basically your average middle-aged guy who's barely employed and just kind of struggling to make ends meet. He's uh, got a baby with his ex-girlfriend, and he's just trying to find ways to be able to support them. And I. It's actually, I'm going to use air quotes here on his ex-girlfriend because they have like this pseudo relationship throughout the show where like they keep hooking up and then they're not hooking up. Sounds like a typical Tuesday. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, there are relationships out there that are like that. So whatever floats your boat. But basically he's he's trying to 
uh, find a way to better himself and realizes that his cousin, Alfred, who's known as the rapper Paperboy in the show, is up and coming. His new mixtape is gaining popularity around uh, the Atlanta rap scene. And so uh, Earn decides that he wants to manage him and help him kind of like catapult his career. Um, but the show is like, it's, it's more than that. It has a lot of social commentary as well, just like uh, Master of None does. And uh, the, the writing is just so good and, and so smart. Yeah, I've heard like, a lot of good things about that one. It, yeah. Um, it's, it's another comedy drama. So again, like it has its funny moments, but there are some really serious and dark moments in the show. Like I, I will say that it broadens the spectrum a lot more than, than other comedy dramas. Like to nice. where, I mean, I mean, I, I, this, I guess is a pseudo spoiler. Like people die in the show and like, Whoa. it's, it's, it's just sort of like a, like a normal thing with some of these episodes, but it. It's supposed to show like these are the things that these guys are going through in life yeah, yeah. while they're trying to you know survive and make ends meet. Um, but acting's great. Um, definitely one of my top favorite shows. Um, I'd say probably top five. Right wow. Now. Okay. Yeah. I definitely need to check that out. Uh, where is it? Is it streaming right now? Uh, it's, it regularly plays on FX, but it is streaming right now on Hulu. The first season. Oh, I gotta uh, check that out. Yeah. You you have plenty of time too because the second season. Is being postponed due to because him being cast in Lando. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Exactly. What about uh, what about you, James? What have you been watching? I haven't been watching too much TV shows, I guess, because um, I've just been super busy with work. I know. <laughs> Fucking excuses, right? Life. Yeah, I'm like, Jesus, oh, I don't have time, so I'm going to do this. Uh, I've finished... got an adult, so I'm not going to do nothing. Yeah, so I've been, been working a lot, but I did squeeze in two films that I've... Um, been trying to watch for a while now so for the first one is you know this is the one coming out of left field i watched uh tim burton's film miss peregrine's home for peculiar children <laughs> wow <laughs> that's not a tongue twister i really wanted to watch this one because i'd watched like part of it about a year ago mm -hmm. or less than a year ago and i didn't finish it because my uh, rental expired and it recently came on hbo so i caught it and it's actually a pretty good little movie it's not it's not perfect so basically it is about it's based on a book by the way and just to let you know right off the bat i've never read the books so this is one of those like <laughs> i'm coming in kind of blind and i'm not biased because i i actually don't know if the books are that great but i think they're supposed to be pretty good there's three of them they're, they're popular but I, I have heard of them but, yeah, yeah. I, you would know at anyone, but yeah. um, I used to work at a bookstore. So. Yeah, no, <laughs> he likes children. Fun, books. fun fact. Yeah, slowly you guys will understand who we all are. Yeah, <laughs> we could just tell you, but we'd like to you guys to piece together each episode. So basically, it's it's actually pretty convoluted the whole storyline. It's basically about a boy named Jacob. It's played by Asa Butterfield, who was also in um, Hugo and then some other films. <laughs> I've heard of Hugo. Yeah, he, he's pretty good in that one too. But um, basically, his grandfather is telling him all these stories early on in life and about World War II and fighting monsters and this lady named uh, Miss Peregrine, who is a um, kind of has they have powers basically. So they 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 they're, they're gifted. They're peculiars. That's what they call them. <laughs> so uh, Miss Peregrine is played by Eva Green. And she actually does pretty well, although she doesn't have too much screen time compared to, um, like, Jacob. I mean, Jake. Jacob. Um, basically, his grandfather dies, tells him to go find, like, this time loop. And then, basically, he finds a cave where the time loop brings him back to the 1940s. Whoa. Yeah, see, this is just getting weird now. Okay. <laughs> and basically, from that point... We're going deep into the No, yeah. <laughs> he, he meets Miss Peregrine. He, uh, on top of that, he meets another chick named um, Emma who's like his kind of romantic love interest. And that's played by Ella Purnell. She's been in a couple things too. Long story short, I'm not going to ruin anything else. It's fucking weird. Like there's just, they, all the kids have powers and shit. Like Emma can fly or she floats away. She uses her breath to like fucking, she can just blow things. <laughs> she, wow. Okay. <laughs> not in that way. It's oh like she has breath. and then, <laughs> She's got pipes. So did my last girlfriend. <laughs> No, um, on top of that, too, the ba the bad guy, the main bad guy is Samuel Jackson. I actually think he does really good. He plays a guy called Baron. Samuel Jackson's in this? Yeah. Whoa. 
out of yeah. nowhere. I, I remember, like, I'm asking because I remember seeing the, the trailers a lot. Um, yeah, the movie it, it, actually did really good, like, budget-wise. Oh, the visual effects are, looked phenomenal. Visual like, effects yeah. are super good in this movie. That's what I was going to say is the, the, the nice part about this film, even seeing it at home, the, they fight these creatures called hollows, and they're actually really creepy. It has kind of like a Beetlejuice vibe to it, which is kind of cool. Because Tim Burton always has to include something creepy in his movies. Well, yeah, it's like a gothic theme kind of yeah. thing regardless. but no, Nothing wrong with that. I just I like that he includes that in his movies. Yeah, it wasn't bad. There is a pretty anticlimactic ending to the film. Like, the payoff isn't worth it. Mm. I didn't like that. Outside of that, though, and I'd say the first half of the film kind of goes kind of slow. It's a slow burn leading up to it. But overall, it, it wasn't bad. I think for kids, probably teenagers, it's probably who it's aimed for. Yeah. And f- maybe fans of the book, although I read up on it and some, I guess this film itself is completely different at certain times, especially the ending of this one hmm. compared to the book. So overall. So he took some liberties with it, like most directors. Yeah. I think he yeah. did it to make it just a self-contained yeah. uh, movie because technically there could have been three films because there's three books. But I don't think they have plans. Even though this did really well, you never know. And it only came out last year, so. Yeah. But overall, um, it's pretty self-contained. I think it's kind of better when they do that, even when you know it's part of a series, because you don't want to leave that open ending. I, I feel like that sort of pines for, like, the sequels. Like, come on, give me a sequel. But if it, and, and it makes the, the movie, like, more full, more complete. Yeah, and, and this is not one of those films where, you have to run out and tell someone like, "Oh, you haven't seen Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children." <laughs> People be like, "Fuck, are you talking about, man?" <laughs> it's not one of those. It's it's one of those ones where it's not a bad little nighttime flick just to check out. It's really pretty straightforward. Uh, pretty good acting, All I'd right say. On. And I like I said, I, I wish they had expanded Eva Green's role as Miss Peregrine a little more. Because they, they do gloss over a lot, which I'm assuming is m- more explained in the book. But overall, not bad. It Shit. was surprisingly better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, the other film that I watched on the request of my brother actually just bringing it up like <laughs> nonstop. I watched uh, the Netflix exclusive film Okja. Or as they say, <laughs> Okja. <laughs> Okja. Yeah, so Okja is pretty pretty good, man. So John who. John Ho Bong, sorry, the director did um, Snowpiercer back in 2013. That's probably the one that most people would know him for. He's done a lot of other Korean films, but I've I haven't the seen one. Snowpiercer, but I heard it was good. Snowpiercer's uh, yeah. well, depending on who you ask. Well, I heard it was entertaining. Yeah, like my that? friend Alina like thinks it's the dumbest movie, but I think it's actually pretty good. <laughs> Just to let you know. Okja, on the other hand, is. Probably more approachable by most people. It is rated at R, so... Well, TVMA, technically, but it's rated R. Um, a lot of adult themes in it, but it's about... Basically, it's in, set in pretty much present day, but they go back a little bit to explain the story of it all. And the company has made, like, these super pigs, and they give them away to 27 different farmers, and they give them 10 years to raise the pigs, and whoever has the best pig... Um, they get awarded or something like that, and then the pig gets to, you know, get slaughtered. Basically, <laughs> wow, uh, it's like a darker, more twisted version of um, Charlotte's Web, in a way. But this one, <laughs> um, this one's a little different, in a way. Uh, we follow a young girl named Miha. That's her name. She's a uh, she's the granddaughter of the farmer that takes care of the pig that they call Okja. So that's played by. And once again, I apologize because I don't know Korean. So, but it's Sehyun An. We're very cultured on this pod. I actually think I fucking nailed that, by the way. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and she actually does a pretty good job. Other than screaming Okja every five fucking minutes, um, <laughs> she does pretty good. Because as you know, Okja wins the competition. This is not a spoiler. Obviously, something happens, right? So the head of the comp- the face of the company is played by uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, a guy named Johnny Wilcox. Oh, wow. And he's like this over-the-top guy. Think of like if Steve Irwin had survived and not got killed by a stingray. And, wow, like, and he's like getting paid out. <laughs> he's getting paid out by like a corporation to be like, oh, I'm an animal expert, so you can trust me kind of shit. Because the main, Tilda Swinton is like the quote-unquote villain of this movie because she plays two people. She plays Lucy and Nancy Miranda of the Miranda Corporation. 
and um it really the film has a, a it's got a big like i would say the message is about how corrupt and like how not even just the meat industry i think it's just how business runs like hey i know you love this thing but this is our business we own this thing you don't own this thing and basically the point of the movie is they take okja away miha follows through and tries to free okja and in the in the actions of her falling through like going all the way up to northern not north korea but like another uh seoul they go to she goes to seoul and then eventually even new york she runs into like a animal rights group and then that group is like almost like a terrorist group but it's like paul dano is a main so guy it's like it's, it's like PETA and steroids yeah basically it's called the animal liberation front of being alf i think yeah alf Kind of funny too, right? And even like <laughs> no uh, Stephen Yoon from um, The Walking Dead, who played Glenn before he got killed. Oops, no shit, later. he's in it. Yeah, he's in it too. Oh wow! So, uh, basically, so basically, the, Overall, the child is trying to prevent the pig she's from being to free slaughtered. Her she's yeah, trying to free her. Where the the corporation is like, no, it's ours. We want meat. In a way, yes, but it also explains kind of like what they're doing, and there's a more there's a darker story behind it about what really the pigs represent, and also. I won't, that's all I'll say, basically. There's more to it than that, but it's actually a pretty heartwarming film because you really do feel for the, for the little girl. It's kind of like someone coming over and taking your dog away. Yeah. Because the pigs themselves are super smart. Like, they're really smart. So Who who plays the pig? I'm not sure. It's just CG. <laughs> I know. But you know what? Tell you the truth, it looks, real, it looks real, the CG. At times, you almost forget that there's not a um, creature the size of a hippo. Oh, or is it a hippo? Holy no. shit, they're that big? They're huge, yeah. Wow. They look the size okay. of a hippo. Wow. Gigantic. That's and it's her scary. it's her best friend. So yeah. Overall, I would highly recommend checking it out. If you have a Netflix subscription, this is one of those films I would I would definitely recommend. Just go out and add it to your queue. Watch the first 20 minutes. You'll figure out if you're gonna like it or not from there. Yeah, it's it's definitely on my queue. I know uh your brother's been trying to get all of us to watch it, so I think I'll, you, I'll I, check it I, out I, in the next I couple think weeks. You, I actually think you would you would enjoy it. Yeah. I'll check it out. All right. Um that's what we've been watching. Also, g- jumping into our Studio Ghibli films here. So for this month, as you guys know, every month they've been releasing a Studio Ghibli film in the theaters. Our last one, we reviewed Castle in the Sky. This one is Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. This was released in 1984. And a brief little subs- um, description of this one. It's warrior pacifist Princess Nausicaa desperately struggles to prevent two warring nations from destroying themselves and their dying planet. Uh, this will be in theaters September 24th, 25th, and 27th. Take a look at your local listings. And um, this one, I believe we both pretty much liked it, too. Yeah. So by the time uh, we air this episode, you guys will still have time to watch it in theaters. Yeah, plenty of time, actually. Compared to the other ones where we were on the day of <laughs> this is actually one where you have plenty of time um right off the bat did you like that you, you did like this right marco yeah i really enjoyed this one and i didn't know that it was an older movie for studio ghibli yeah like actually 1984 is fun fact yeah 1984 this was technically their first film that started hayao mizaki's um kind of legacy the director yeah um this was a film that was not during actually when Studio Ghibli was made yet. Castle in the Sky is technically the first one, right? But this is the one they they went back and I believe they bought the rights to it or something. That's, yeah, it's, they, it's they included it in the collection. It's considered a Studio Ghibli film, so that's why yeah. they've added this. But it, it's uh, yeah, it's different than their other films. Um, a lot more darker, more adult tone. But overall, I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, for a movie that's thirty three years old. Wow. I'm like, Jesus, man. And the animation, just like Shit the other old. ones, too. Yeah. I wasn't even born yet when this came out, just to let everyone know. It wasn't until another four years no comment. that I came into this earth. I really like the voice acting, too. Once again, we're ignorant, so we watch this in English. <laughs> yeah. We're so cultured, I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm telling you guys. We, we, we try every time we can. <laughs> so we have, like, Alison Lohman is Nausicaa, so people might not know who that is, but if you actually look up her information, she's like the girl that was in like Drag Me to Hell and Matchstick Men. So when they redid this English translation, she was somewhat popular, but uh, Patrick Stewart's in it. He plays Lord Yupa. Captain Picard. <laughs> That's my shitty impression of Patrick Stewart. 
Uma Thurman is in it too. She plays Kushana, yeah. who is like a leader of a um, of a society that doesn't understand what's going on, really. Yeah, a, a militaristic society. Yeah. Um, Edward James Almost is in it too. Who he's, did he play? He's Mito, who's one of the pilots of one of the ships with her. I was trying to pinpoint who he was because I had forgotten that Frank, he voiced... Frank Welker is even in this. Did you know that? No he plays, shit. He Megatron? Yeah, he plays Goal. Oh, uh, Frank Welker is one of my sorry. favorite voice actors. So I would say overall, like just a brief one, because we, we're trying to say brief on these ones because it's too spoilery if we go too much into it. Yeah. But I'd say that much like every other Studio Ghibli film, this one features a very strong um, lead actress yeah. in a way, a lead female character. Um, there's a definite message about society and nature in this one as well. That's that's pretty much what I got from it too. Yeah. Um, it, it seems to be a common theme so far with the Studio Ghibli films we've seen. Where again, it, it's I've said this before. It's it's the struggle with humans and technology and their compatibility with nature and whether or not they can coexist. And I felt that Nausicaa was that that beacon of light to show that these things can coexist, but it's, it's not easy and True. it will involve uh, sacrifice. And just because that IMDb description kind of sucked, basically the film is about a young girl that lives in pretty much a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. Where it's been a thousand years later after a like, war a, or like, yeah, giant bugs are basically <laughs> taken over in a way. It sounds weird. But there's infection everywhere. Like the Earth is super damaged, and the factions are pretty much warring against each other. That's kind and of a way it, to look at every it. sort of plant life and tree life is toxic and poisonous to all to humans, basically. Yeah. Overall, though, I would highly recommend this. I would say this is not really a kids' film, though. I would have to agree. This one's pretty dark. There's there's people just like Atlanta. People die in this one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people die in this one, and it's it's very violent as well. I'd say it's more probably preteen going forward, but little kids probably would also lose out on the overall meaning of this film. Yeah, because like like me and Marco were saying, there is a bit more to this than just what they show you. Yeah, uh, in, in this case, I'd say it's more like PG. Like you would watch it with a parent if there's a young child there, just so they could further explain things a little bit more. But other than that, um, I. I, I would recommend it to most anybody I know. Yeah. So, so far, just as a recap on these Studio Ghibli films, we've gone over My Neighbor Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Service, Castle in the Sky, and Nausicaa, of course, is the one we just did. Totoro. Yep. And then Sorry. the next one in October will be the movie Spirited Away, which I think is one of the best ones. And I then, agree. And then it's going to end out with Howl's Moving Castle, which is really good, too, in November. Um, out of the ones we've seen so far, which one has been probably your favorite out of the ones we've watched, out of those four, Totoro, Kiki, Castle in the Sky, and Natsuka. Oh, man. Um, I would say, man, uh, Castle in the Sky was just so good. I think Castle in the Sky is really good, too. Yeah. I still it, think my favorite, though, is probably Kiki's Delivery Service. That it's. I was going to say it was almost a tie between Kiki's Delivery Service and Castle in the Sky because they... Uh, and I would lean probably more towards the characters of Kiki's Delivery Service because exactly. they're developed more and it's more of, like we've said before in our previous pod, it's more of a coming of age type of movie. Which I which I prefer, I think, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I would say I, those two are my, my top two definitely right now. Yeah, definitely. And the, these are great films. We highly recommend checking them out. All right. So now we're going to move on to some news. What's in the news? All right, so Nabil's not here, but this is, you know, this is James. So we're going to speak on his behalf. We're going to speak on his behalf. So we still have not got this fucking movie pass that we've been talking about for two, <laughs> three pods now. Have they not sent you guys okay, the credit so card? They have not sent the card out. Just to let everybody know, MoviePass is a <laughs> fake <giant>. fucking program <laughs> where you pay money to these motherfuckers and you get to not see a fucking movie. And it's $10 a month. No. Uh, okay, so um, Movie Pass is basically yeah, it's a pyramid scheme. 
$10 a month. They send you a card. You can see a non-3D, non-IMAX movie at participating theaters, which or is mostly... Or in your case, you can see a non-2D or non-3D movie because you haven't seen shit. Yeah, basically. So they sent me an update on Wednesday. Just let everyone know. It was called the Where's My Card? An update. They said, Dear Movie Pass member, in recent weeks, we'd received hundreds of thousands of emails and tens of thousands of chats through our customer service channels. Though we increased our staff in anticipation of the new plan, the response has been overwhelming. In an effort to address all of your questions, we've tripled the size of our team, which is working to respond to everyone as quickly as possible. You, you can't see it right now, but I'm doing the, the air jerk motion right now because I don't give a shit about your operational woes. In Send the- me my shit. In the hopes of delivering a card as close to your sign-up date as possible, cards are created in batches on a first-come, first-served basis. All right, so basically they said there's currently a two- to three-week delay in card delivery. (laughs) That's added on top of the fucking month I've already been added. So, but they did say we won't be billed the second installment until a month after activation. So I know our concern was that we already got charged, but this time around, it actually is just an initial charge. We won't get charged until the second month hits. So, you know, hopefully... You know, I want to stop stop promising you guys, but um, maybe in another two weeks I'll I'll have used it once. Because you know there are some movies that I'd actually use it on right now. Yeah, that I'm I mean, kind of iffy on. It sounds uh, like a like a really good service. When There's it no works. way they can probably keep this ten dollars a month thing going. Although you know, I'd like to at least fucking try it once. Because even when we were talking about it in in large metro areas, again, where you're paying twelve, fifteen, almost twenty dollars. Oh yeah, if you see one, if you see one movie a month, this is actually why not get it. Well, well, there's a reason because they don't fucking send the card. But yeah, you know, (laughs) they won't let you watch a movie. Nope. They'll take your money. So hey, we'll let you know if movie pass. comes through it's looking pretty sketch right now uh or if you're already using the service let us know please if you did i you must be some kind of a god or something to have gotten a fucking card but okay <laughs> sure okay. anyways star wars episode 9 has been delayed by the way i called this a while ago yeah you did so instead of uh may 24 2019 they're just gonna do it 20 uh december 20th 2019 on top of that too um colin trevorrow was fired from good episode riddance nine. I don't know if it's good riddance, but um, I, I well, JJ just, be, just because he did Jurassic World, which was oh, I enjoyed it, but it's it's not, it's not, it's good, it's enjoyable, it's fun, but it's I don't, it's not, not the Star same Wars. caliber. Yeah, Wars exactly, movie. it's not the same. Although caliber. pretty close, but depends. Yeah. Uh, so JJ Abrams is coming out of hiding to do uh, Episode Nine, basically. So he's gonna probably just copy Return of the Jedi. So we're going to have uh, Porgs fighting along uh, the Resistance nice. on, a, on a forest moon nice. while there's a second Starkiller base, nice. Starkiller base 2.0. Maybe, or he's just going to put Ewoks, he's like, put them on the forest moon of Endor. <laughs> no, that's why the Porgs would take over the role of the Ewoks. No, bro, but why not? Why do that when they have plenty of these little Ewok costumes sitting around? That's true, might as that's well. cutting the budget. No, we're kidding. Um, hopefully he does good. I know it's a pretty lukewarm reception because a lot of people think episode seven wasn't too original. And, you know, those are the kind of people that like to just, I think, nitpick on just about everything. Yeah, well, which I, I understand their concerns. But at the same time, they you had to realize that the, the franchise, when Abrams took over, was suffering. I mean, the only thing that was really keeping it afloat besides the video games was probably the Clone Wars TV show. Um, that the, the pre the prequels were just yeah. god awful, and Abrams had a job to revitalize the 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 franchise, give it life, and show people that they could give a Star Wars movie that Disney could give a Star Wars movie the same spirit and light that the original trilogy had, and I felt that he accomplished that. Whether or not is it was a carbon copy of A New Hope or not, fuck, he did his job. And first off, I don't think the prequels were terrible. That's oh, we, 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 yeah, we, we know this. We know this, James. So, I don't, I, okay. It, it, you know what? Yeah. I got a Jar Jar Binks tattoo and I'm not taking it off. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Him and Jesus. Annie were supposed to go on so many fucking adventures together. Annie! <laughs> name, Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> no, but, um. No, he was supposed to be a Sith Lord. We all know this. Yeah, supposedly. Um. <laughs> We're going off topic a bit here. Yeah, J.J. Yeah. Abrams, date change. 
I can't ever imagine these not coming out in December anymore just because of the amount of money these make. I'd love for this to actually be summer films, Star Wars, because I remember all the prequel films and even when the re-releases came out, those are all during summertime. Yeah. They always came out in May, so I think maybe we've just gotten used to them coming out in December now, but, you know. I I agree. Um, With a director shift and having to rewrite, I understand. Well, it's probably smarter they delay it at this point. So. Yeah, there's no reason to rush this thing out. If you're if you're gonna do it, do it right. Um, I'm I'm okay with Abrams coming back on it. You know, it's a solid choice. It's a smart move. He's already proved that he can do it. That he knows these characters. Yeah. I mean, he's he started with them. He gets to you know Kinda bookend ended, it. Yeah. So no, no, I agree. Um, fuck, let him take the hell, man. All right, we're gonna move on to our topic here of the week it's the topic of the week and because nabil's not here last week we brought up that we were gonna have you guys submit some topics here so thanks to everybody that actually submitted we just want to let you know ahead of time that even though even if yours wasn't picked we are keeping all these topics saved somewhere else to use at later times so eventually we will probably come back to them Except for probably two of them because they were shitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll keep it coming. We'll look at them, and if if they're definitely a topic that we haven't gone over already, we'll give shout outs to you, and we'll debate your topic amongst yeah, ourselves. We might even make a new section where it's kind of like a viewer grab bag kind of a a, a spot where if it's a because some of you guys we actually we really enjoyed a lot of these topics. It was hard to choose which one we wanted to use. But there's a couple here that could probably just be brief kind of mentions, not super drawn out as an opinionated opinionated topic. So that might just be something where we go down. But um, once again, thank you to everyone. Yeah, we really appreciate it. So our winner, though, of the comic book, The Stand, well, the first volume of it. The first volume of, yeah. The Stand stand based on the Stephen King novel is Amy Corletto. So Amy's topic here was, are film critics still worth reading? Are websites like Rotten Tomatoes the only website anyone uses to judge if they will truly watch a movie? And what do you guys use, and does it ever stop you? So first part here, so are film critics still worth kind of, do you trust film critics, I would say? Uh, I would say that... I, really I, I would I would take a uh, a variety of uh, of opi- a variety of opinions um, on top of Rotten Tomatoes. I wouldn't just solely rely on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah, I would look at other critics or other reviews of a certain movie. Yeah. Um. So I like in in reference to the question, I think the the first part of the question, I would have to say that yeah we we should still look at critics and their reviews and as far as just only using rotten tomatoes as the only median to judge a movie no we shouldn't only use that we we've seen and we'll talk we'll get into this in a little bit but we've seen a few times that movies have just been trashed by rotten tomatoes but they've just completely crush the box office, or they're actually turned out to be a pretty decent movie. You know, that's that's my opinion on that. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think, James? Um, I would definitely say film critics are still worth reading or looking up and checking out a film. I just don't like when they get too spoilery, spoilery about a film, I'd say. Sometimes they get across the little boundaries on that, but, um, I, I, you know, you and I and Nabil, we, we critique things. In a way, we're, you know local film critics yeah <laughs> we're, um, we're independent critics yeah so we we all have our own opinions and i think it's fun to read about certain people so it just it depends on the film too there's certain sites that i probably would trust but i don't think i don't think we should always solely around rely on critics because like you said everybody has their own kind of taste so i might like Okja, and then someone else might think Okja is terrible. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at a Rotten Tomatoes, it's the culmination of the average of all these kind of reviews, which is kind of nice, right? In a way, because you get to see an average, but that doesn't always mean you're going to agree with the majority of people. So I I agree with what you said, and again, like 
like you said, it's it's supposed to be the average score of all these reviewers. Some of those reviews will actually point out good parts about that film that may speak to you and may make you want to watch that movie, which is why I would read like separate reviews or uh, various amounts of reviews or articles on it to see, is this movie really shitty? Is, is, is what they're saying true? Or is there some saving light to or some saving grace to this movie? And I mean, I wouldn't necessarily rely on their opinions 100%, mm-hmm. but at the same time, just having one single number or opinion dictate whether or not you're going to watch this movie, I think is also bad. So it's, I, I, I would kind of look at what's out there and, and read a few opinions and based off that, make my own opinion on whether or not I want to watch that movie. No, I, under- I, I totally agree too. Because like we said, there's there's films that have bombed and we have a list here that we're going to go over briefly, but um, before we get into that too, I want to go over the, the second part of the question was our websites like Rotten Tomatoes, only websites um, anyone uses to judge if they truly watch a movie. I'd say, yeah, a lot of times it is. There's a lot of people that use the Rotten Tomato score, and I think that's increased a lot in the last 10 years or so, ever since it got really popular. Because I remember when Rotten Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes has been around for a while. Yeah. And then I it seems like it's integrated into a lot of like Fandango has it built right in. I believe that or like movie critic, the, the TV trailers will have it just right yeah. down the corner. Tomatoes percent. You're like, God damn, this movie must be good. Certified I fresh. Yeah, no, it's a selling point. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do use it, but leading into the last part of that question where they're saying, who do you guys use? And does it ever stop you? I use Rotten Tomatoes to a point. I frequently visit IGN.com, although I think they're kind of easy on certain movies. I'll say that much. But some, some, sometimes, sometimes I um, I would also have to, I guess, agree that yeah, people do use you know Rotten Tomatoes. I, I sort of messed up on my answer at the beginning because I I included something that wasn't asked, which is should people use Rotten Tomatoes? Just Rotten Tomatoes? But uh, I still stand with uh, that's a firm no. They shouldn't just use that. No, I I also use IGN. Um, but hell, I'll I'll use like I'll use like the the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, um, Hollywood Reporter, Variety, Variety. Yep, uh, the Atlantic. Um, hell, I'll even check out uh, Business Insider. Sometimes we'll have Business Insider's not too bad well either. Too. Um, or even like I know it's like online based, but BuzzFeed. Sometimes I know it's like BuzzFeed. Yeah, it's quote unquote clickbait and shit like that. But sometimes yeah. they do have pretty good lists on it. I'd say also even um, Entertainment E. Yeah, they're actually not bad on movie reviews. And you would think that we wouldn't even use these kind of sites, but you'd be surprised. And a lot of times, I didn't even like the Hollywood Reporter too much until I started going to college, and I studied film for a little bit. I guess actually the whole time, but <laughs> <laughs> but. After that, I, you kind of just, you find these writers that you like. And I, I, that's what I would recommend. Like, go through a ton of, not a ton, you don't have to do a ton, but kind of look through. Don't just go off Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes has links to all those people's reviews. Click on a couple of them and see if you actually like how they write these things. Because Rotten Tomatoes only gives you like a snippet, like a sentence from that review. So you don't even know if that's truly the whole meaning of it, even though it's yes or no in a way, rotten or not. And that's how they, they average it out. But that's the best way, I think, is to find who you like and read about them. And then you can follow them on Twitter, anything like that. And it yeah, just kind of gives you kind of a heads up. You could even look at a movie that you've seen before that you really enjoyed and just look up articles on that and see the Rotten Tomato score and some of the reviews when that movie came out just to kind of gauge to see, like, am I agreeing with what some of these critics are saying? Or um, are some of them just, like, totally... I won't lie. Sometimes crap. It's true. So have you have you ever been turned off or turned on by a movie that got better ratings or worse ratings than you thought? So did you not see the movie or did you see the movie? I I have fallen for that trap myself. I'm not uh, gonna deny it. It it happens to everybody. Sometimes we we live in in a time where we want like instant gratification. We want instant answers, and we want we don't want to waste our time. I'd say exactly. We don't want to waste our time. We want a short, concise answer. We want just the yes or no. Just tell me yes or no. Fuck the details. Just tell me, do you want me to see it or not? And I've, I've sometimes, hey, life gets in the way. Like James, you were working all last week, and I know sometimes you won't get time to read all these, all, all these articles about like these movies. 
So, yeah, sometimes I'll rely on that score, and there are times where I'm like, do I really want to Do I really wanna watch it? Like, th- there's a movie that, I don't even know if it's still out or not, but uh, it was called uh, Ghost Story, and I saw the, the average score when it was uh, initially released on Rotten Tomatoes was like in the 70s, and it kind of turned me off from wanting to go see it in theaters, but... I still think 70s okay. <clears throat> Um, I'm more of like 60 or guy. Higher. 60 or higher is pretty yeah. but you know 70 usually means it's divided on on people and then sometimes that's kind of nice that's true but yeah I've I've fallen victim to that and I, I'm trying like more not to and to kind of go outside of, of my my comfort zone and just sort of you know have my own opinion based on what I what I see on on the trailer and from what I can if and that is if the trailer hasn't given up the whole movie <laughs> Yeah. But um, I mean, if I if I can if I can see the whole movie on the trailer, then chances are I'm probably not going to see it. But I try to devise my own opinion on whether or not I'm going to go see that movie, and maybe or maybe won't consider that score or what someone writes about the movie. I'd say even you, recently, yeah, it turned me off on a couple films. I really wanted to watch Baywatch. It got terrible <laughs> reviews, and then I really wanted to watch The Mummy, and it got like 16. percent So. Jeez. That at that point I was like, see, I got caught up in it. Like I probably, I bet if I had seen it, I probably would have thought it's okay. I'm probably still gonna see it actually. Yeah. So I would say a lot of times it does affect me for theater viewing, but that's the stuff I save for usually like Redbox or if it's streaming on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Video. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been times though that movies like I'm just gonna mention one because me and Marco put up a list of movies that supposedly suck, but they did actually really well. For instance, like I really like Tron Legacy, and that only got fifty-one percent. So oh, that's okay. rotten, and that made four hundred point one million dollars. I was going to mention that one. Yeah, yeah I, I liked, liked it too. I've seen Top Gun like seven times. Top Gun's only fifty-four percent, but that's even before they had a Rotten Tomato score. So how they average this, I don't know. And uh, one last thing I'll mention was the last uh, Pirates of the Caribbean film. Me and Marco actually saw it. I actually like that movie. Yeah, me too. Pirates 5, and that got tore up on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It got less than 20%. And I you felt know like, what? I, I, I felt that, liked it. Yeah, I felt that the movie like really went back to its roots and felt more akin to the very first movie Yeah, and felt it like it belonged fun, in that franchise. It was a fun summer film. Yeah. It actually made a decent amount, especially overseas. So it might be the last one. It might not. But for instance, that's a film that... I, well, we had. We, I think also on top of that, we had already heard some bad buzz about it going into it, but we did see a, technically an earlier screening of it. But I'm pretty sure that still wouldn't have affected me seeing that movie Same. overall. But yeah. like I said, it does happen to us. We're normal people. We we do have a, a lot of time. We try to watch films that we think you guys are gonna like or enjoy or at least relate to. So that's why, actually, if you actually look at our films, we've we've done a lot of horror films for some reason. Yeah. A lot of fucking horror films, so why, that's, why, why we're gonna tone that down. Yeah, well, I'm just truthfully, I know, because I'm just shit. I love horror films. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but leading into um, the the last couple months was kind of that solid month of horror films, which is weird because in October I don't think we review one horror film coming up at all. Yeah, but we saw some, we saw some pretty good ones. No, that's yeah. what I mean, and a lot of the films that we've even gone over. For instance, we talked about the Hitman's Bodyguard two episodes ago, and that's a movie that's sitting at thirty eight percent. Which I think it probably should be sitting at. So I agree with that one. <laughs> but I bet Nabil or Marco, you guys liked it better than me. So you might be, you yeah. probably rate it higher. I, you know what? This is where you're, you're probably right about that 60%. Because I'd probably give it a 60%. Yeah, see? And I would still see that movie. I, I'd rent it. Or, well, I wouldn't rent it, but I'd stream it. Yeah. I yeah. think it's, it's an approachable film by yeah, most fun. people. And then Annabelle Creation, 68%. And I know you wouldn't, you wouldn't give it that. Hell no. But I would probably because I enjoyed it because it's a good horror film. If there were negatives, oh, I'd give it no that. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Amy, for that. We really appreciate it. You filled in for our good friend Nabil this week with a great topic. I'm sure uh, he'll be very proud of that topic. Yeah, I think he'll like that too. He would probably even enjoy talking about that. So uh, we will send that comic book over to you and we will get into contact with you as well. Uh, now we're moving on to our review of It from the 2017 version of Stephen King's novel.
Okay, so it is based on a Stephen King novel. As you guys know, last episode we went over the miniseries one from 1990. So this one is the remake, remake reboot in a way. Yeah. It, uh, the, the IMDb summary on this one is a group of bullied kids band together when a shape-shifting demon taking the appearance of clown begins hunting children. Whoever fucking wrote this on IMDb <laughs> needs to fucking check themselves. I think it meant to say taking the appearance of a clown. Anyways. And not, not thinking that clown was its name. Yeah, it taking up <laughs> clown. So this one is directed here by Andy Machete, who is mostly known for his film Mama. Uh, did you catch that one back in 2013? I did not. Yeah. I can't. I can't remember whether I wanted to watch it or not. It's I'm with to Jessica the Chastain, and they they bring a. Um, it's the guy that plays Jamie Lannister, Nikolai Kosterwaldu. Oh, oh, okay. The dad. It's it's a decent movie. Right. I didn't think it was that good. I think setting wise, it it sets the tone really well on uh, Mama, but uh, I think I remember rating it like a three out of five or something like that. Mm. I I tried to go in watching this movie without knowing much about the the director or the writer because I didn't want any opinion going in. Yeah, like, I didn't want any prejudices going in and just wanted. No, to, no, they, like yeah. I said, he's only really done one other film. Yeah, well, so when I saw his name and I was like, I, I haven't heard this guy, and I was like, mm-hmm. should I research him? I was like, no, you know what? I'm just gonna go in blind. And um, so the film stars Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise a clown and a bunch of kids. Basically, <laughs> I'm not gonna go all over them. If you know who they are, then you know who they are. There's that one kid from fucking Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah, I was like, the the nerd kid who plays. Uh, a semi-nerd kid Finn again. Wolf Hard <laughs> plays Richie in this one. Sophia Lillis is Beverly Marsh. Jeremy Ray Taylor is Ben. Jaden Lieber is Bill. And then um, kind of Wyatt Olaf is Stanley Aris. And then uh, rounding it out is um, Chosen Jacobs is Mike Hanlon. So, um, just a, I guess we did go over it. Look at that. Yeah, there we go. There. So we do get that out of the way. Um, starting with Marco, once again, like we know, because of last episode, Marco has read the book. Um, yes. So overall, just going off of it, just a quick one here. Did you like or dislike this one? I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a really good reboot, remake of the original and a great interpretation of the book. Um, the I'd say it's one of, it's one of the best modern horror movies i've ever seen and just to let everyone know the miniseries from 1990 went over the first half of it was the kids section with flashbacks uh when they're adults with flashbacks to the kids section and the second half was them as adults fighting it um this movie solely just focuses on the past part of it yeah when they're kids it's sort of like it separates the 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 two Stories which are sort of like interwoven in in the novel as well too, where there there are constant flashbacks uh, to their childhood, and they just basically just took everything in the past and did it as one. And single the first movie. one was set what in the fifties or sixties? In, in the book, the original was set in uh, nineteen fifty eight. Okay, I think that's roughly yeah when it's still done, right? Um, that's I think the. Um, the TV movie, I think, bumped it to 1960. 60 something, and yeah. And then did 30 years. 30 years, not 30 years different, yeah, and bumped weird. it to 1990 when they're adults. And in the book, it it's 1958 and then 1985. Cool. This one takes place years. in 1989, roughly. Yeah. And then I'm assuming the next one will be... 2017 2019 yeah depending whether they do the 27 is, years or the 30 yeah, this is part one this is a, there will be a part two they've already they've they just greenlit it actually that's uh pretty cool too yeah um i loved it too man i've not yet started the book but i'm gonna definitely finish it before the second one comes out but this is the, this is easily top three for me for the year so far so it's a nice little spoiler for my top 10 of the year that we'll do at the end but man it's good and Perfect. I think the casting was really good on this one. I really enjoyed the kids. Yeah. I know you have a problem with kid actors, Marco. So these guys, <laughs> I think they nailed it finally. I was like, fuck, the whole time. I was like, not another Annabelle. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I agree. The, the, the acting, the performance from these kids was 
absolutely great. There was lots of talent. You could tell they liked each other too. They were like they, the the back story in two is they all became friends too. Yeah, much like the kids from the nineteen ninety one all became friends. By the way, yeah, so, and of course, of course, the old, the old one was an old TV budget, so and they obviously didn't work too hard on the chemistry. But I felt that that's something that they really focused here, where you could really feel all right. Wow, these guys are really bonding together like like friends would over the summer, you know? Yeah, and. Speaking of which, budget-wise, they did really well with the budget here. The movie looks great. It's got some great cinematography. It sets the mood early on. It is really, really creepy. I think, just right off the bat, too, Bill Skarsgård is great as Pennywise. For a pretty young guy, he's, he's a year younger than me, Pennywise. Um, and he comes from a very actor-oriented family. Like, his dad is Stellan Skarsgård. Have you ever heard of him? Yeah, uh, I only heard of him because I read up on, um, uh, I read a little bit about him and he's, found out he's in he's like October. The, yeah, he's the doctor in um, the Thor movie, the guy that goes kind of crazy. What? Too. Yeah, that's him. No and way. The, and the Avengers, yeah, that's him. And he's okay. also in Goodwill Hunting, all this shit. No, that you know what? That Mama is Mia. him. Oh, he's in Mamma Mia. It's really yeah, good. I didn't cast that. No, that that is him. Yeah. And then his brother is Alexander Skarsgård. He was from True Blood, and he was recently in the Tarzan film. So, yeah, so pretty cool. Well, wow. uh, just a little backstory on that, guys. I just mind blown right now. I didn't even make the yeah, connections until just now. Isn't that crazy? Holy shit! He's really talented. But, yeah, um, he's really fucking tall too. He's like six four. Yeah, I saw him on Conan, and he was um, pretty tall. Yeah, seems like a nice kid though. But I thought uh, he nailed it as it. He was scary. They, as fuck. they did a good job because they also kept him away from the kids for like the first three months of the filming. That, yeah. So when they actually see him, you generally see fear in the kid's eyes. And um, I even, I saw this with Marco, it was just me and him. Because, you know, date night. You know, yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was Taco Tuesday. Yeah. Um, I literally jumped out of my chair the first time the kid sees Pennywise. It scared the shit out of me. Yeah. We'll I, go into the spoilers, but. Yeah. Um, I heard, like, yeah. They they really did a good job at trying to make them really afraid of yeah. him at, in character. The, I think the only one who wasn't afraid of him was the girl who played Bev. Because she, yeah. she usually laughs at horror movies. So she started laughing when she saw him in uh, in costume. With yeah. The punch factor. It's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, are, does this differentiate? Just This is a question just for you then, Marco, because you would be able to answer it. Does it differentiate from the book a lot? Um, Not, not too much. No, I'd say outside of the time difference. Obviously, um, no, the, the it, era. I, f- I feel like it keeps the main themes intact, mm-hmm. and the, just the the details in between are a little bit different. There yes. is one, which I'll I'll get into the spoilers. There's one aspect towards the end that they sort of change. I, it's not too big. I think I well for me, I think it was a little big of a a, a big a, a bit of a change than gotcha. from the book. Um, between the two, though, between the 1990 version, just the first half of this one, is this one definitely a step up and the one you would recommend to people, though? Uh, I would definitely recommend this one over the old one. Yeah. I think that the fact that this one's been modernized for today's times um, makes it that much more better and, and scarier. And the way that they translated the horror from the book onto the screen, I felt they got that perfect. Like, I was... I, you've met, you've heard me say before that it takes a lot for a horror movie to scare me. This movie scared the shit out of me in like many different scenes, and I was like, "Wow, I'm legit scared right now." So no, I I agree. This is the one I would recommend. Don't get me wrong, Tim Curry is always gonna have a special place like in my memories from childhood. And same, he gave me many sleepless me. nights. Yeah, I'm mostly from Rocky Horror though, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, that's fucking oh weird. weird for me, man. <laughs> Um, I would say though this is definitely the one to go with. It's got a great cast. Uh, plot is just perfect, man. It's, the movie is pretty long. It's almost two and a half hours long, but I would say that by the end of it, I was like, man, fuck! I just wish it was the second part already. Yeah, I wanted more. I wanted more too. I was like, man, I'm down for a five hour film. Let's go. Yeah, that, and that's. I don't like, want to wait two more years or three more years or no, however long it's gonna no, take. Man, I want it now. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the eventual casting of these kids too, since they have to get older people. So, um, outside of that, I'm, we're gonna jump into some spoilers here to talk about a couple parts that we want to talk about. So, if you want to see it and not get spoiled, which I highly recommend, just uh, look at our timestamp and move over to the outro. All right, so we're going to move into spoilers right now. So, thank you. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so we're back. This is the spoiler section here. So, Marco, um, first let's stop. Let's start with what you were talking about before. What was the difference you said was near the end of the book compared so, to the movie for this part of it? For for this part of it, when they're kids um, in the in the movie, uh, Beverly gets kidnapped by it. Okay. Also known as Pennywise the Clown. Uh, that doesn't happen in the book. She doesn't get kidnapped. They. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I no. I assumed they, that was added. Yeah, was they like, yeah. they all go after him as as a team, like like they, the mini, they like do, the nineteen ninety version. Cor- correct. They do get separated. I will give it that. So rather than her get kidnapped, the group sort of gets separated, and it almost like overpowers them. So okay, I I can see that's probably what they changed be, be, because for other for other reasons of shit that happens in the book, I can see why they changed that. Uh, yeah. And in addition to that, um, it makes. A little bit more sense because Beverly is obviously the, the strongest one of, of the entire group and she keeps them whole. So if it was hunting them down, the best way to defeat your enemies is like take the strongest person out of the cut, team. Cut the yeah, head off. Cut the know? head off. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it did It did sort of made make sense for me in that way. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's an interesting change. Cool. Um, What do you think out of the film itself? What was your favorite favorite moments of it? Man, okay. All right, there's there's three iconic moments that really get me. Okay, I said um, one, I'll, but okay, I'll, go ahead. I'm just kidding. I, I, no, go ahead. I go three. <laughs> I, I gotta do three. They, okay, I'll save the, the 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 best one for last. But definitely when do your when it, do your first one, and then I'm gonna tell you mine. We'll go back and forth. There we go. Uh, so it pops out of the fucking projection screen. Um, oh fuck yeah! That fucking scared the shit out of me. I'm That's like, the part, by the way, everyone, where I jumped and I grabbed Marco to protect him. <laughs> Yeah. Uh. By the way, on top of that, we saw this movie in IMAX. If you can, I would highly recommend seeing it in IMAX. Oh, I agree. Because the added sound, it's not 3D, so you don't have to do 3D. It's for the bigger image quality, and then it also has a... Um, the sound just sounds really good. And this is a movie where the jumps and the scares come out with what works with the music. I would We'd both highly recommend checking it out that yeah. way. But yeah, projector. Uh, Yeah, so that definitely scared the shit out of me. What about What about you? Uh, right off the bat, that first scene where Pennywise is in the storm drain. Oh yeah, and Georgie walks up. There's a scene. That scene was fucking crazy because we'd already seen part of this before we saw Annabelle. They showed a five minute preview, and you kind of learn about Pennywise how he talks and how he's just not. His eyes are moving in different directions. He's yeah. drooling. He doesn't and, blink. Oh yeah, he doesn't. Does he? Nope. Shit. It's fucking creepy. It's creepy. Like, just me thinking about it right now, I'm like, dude, that's creepy. And then he bites Georgie's fucking arm off. Yeah, and okay. And it is vicious, dude. Yeah, I was going to say, okay, that was my number one. The reason being is because the TV version totally, like, didn't well, didn't could, go into detail. They couldn't show detail. that in yeah, 1990, first off. But in, in the book, I'm just telling you, it's, it's graphic as fuck in the book. And they did this scene justice. I didn't know, like, they were going to go into full detail like that. Yeah. But I was... I was disturbed like i can handle a lot of shit but i was like holy shit this is disturbed yeah. there's a fucking six-year-old kid with a missing arm trying to crawl that's why away. i think this film does a really good job early on this is the first 15 minutes it <clears> sets <throat> up the film like this is what you're getting yourself into this is yeah. not the it movie from 1990 this is a lot closer based to the novel yeah uh what was your second part though that you liked uh when they try to fight it the first time in the house and just everything is just being so warped and fucked up. Oh, that's such a cool part. I, I was I just like, like that scene too. yeah, I was like, holy crap, this is fucking scary. Like they did very, like you said with the IMAX, mm-hmm. the, the, the visuals with the sound just worked so well to kind of immerse you in that situation. And you're like, holy crap, this is legit scary. I would say too, the thing that works is that it's so creepy because it's actually daytime when this is happening. Right? Yeah. So this is technically happening, not quite in broad daylight, but the sun is shining through. This, the set itself is perfect for that scene. Yeah, I agree. Um, my second scene that I really liked was nearer to the end when Stanley is facing the crooked-looking woman from the painting. Oh, fuck. And when they find him and it's like eating his face, that was so fucking creepy, yeah. dude. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, shit. I was basically the loud guy in the theater. <laughs> No man, I I did a few oh shit moments there too, especially there. It was creepy as fuck because like I don't want to ruin. Well, no spoilers, I can say it. Stanley is the guy that's eventually gonna kill himself, so 
Because he doesn't go back to town, apparently. No. So I was even telling Marco, I was like, man, something really traumatic has to happen to him that he remembers as an adult that will make him think like, fuck, no, I can't go back. And then this, seeing this, I was like, yep, there there you go. That did it. To, yeah, to an extent, that's how like it happened in the book. When when it opens its mouth and Beverly looks and there's the lights in his throat, yeah. the dead, they're called dead lights. And yeah. supposedly Stan saw that shit too, and it fucking almost drove him insane. Gotcha. So, so that plus the trauma of almost getting your fucking head eaten. No, no, that makes yeah. sense. So your best scene, though, you like the Storm one too, huh? Yeah, that one, um, man, I, I'd say we had the same top three scenes, that's probably man. That's about it, man. Yeah. yeah. What did you not like about the film? So what? it's not a perfect film. It's no. close. Don't get me. I think it's close to being a perfect film. But what do you think was part of the film that was lacking or something that was, seemed off? So I have one scene in particular. I, I felt <laughs> that this has to do more with the plot. The bullies really didn't have a role in the movie. They could have taken them out completely out of the movie. They, they, they had a much bigger role I, in the TV series and in the book. Really? Because I think did. I think even in the TV series, they could have taken them out overall. I did so, like that of. you see that Pennywise corrupts... What's his name again? Um, kid, yeah. The mullet kid. What's his name? Uh, uh, Bowers. Henry Bowers. Henry. So yeah. he corrupts Henry early on, which you had told me before had happened. Yeah. But they don't talk about in the original 1991. Uh-uh. It only happens when he's an adult. So it's kind of cool to see that already happen, and then that was pretty cool. Yeah, I say- I'd see. I thought I thought that they were gonna go and and show like because that happens to almost every single person in the group. Like you in in the book, like you get a sense that it's controlling all of them. That's why they're that's why they're shit. It kills one of them. Though. Yeah. So it's like oh shit. Yeah. So um, I, so I felt like they yeah they really didn't serve much of a purpose other than fulfilling some of the stuff that happens in the book yeah and um my uh mike's character i, I was I gonna say like that they, they should have i still feel yeah. like mike is very briefly touched upon yeah mike is the only african-american kid in this entire film too so you would think they'd touch a little bit more on it there's there's very little racism which i'm not saying they need to add racism Right. But just coming off of even the 1995 and and reading a few Stephen King fil- uh, novels myself, I know that they definitely probably toned it down from what it could have actually been like saying to him. Yeah. Especially when you see the bullies, I'm like, really? That's it? They they say much. Uh, they say some crazy shit to him in the book, um, and which just, they sort of they actually sort of touch in, touch on in the 1990. The 1991, they do actually. Yeah. That's and why this one, they, they this one I'm like, oh, they don't. But in addition to that, you you have more of a background with with Mike because he also knows some history of the town through his family, and you sort of they sort of kind of gloss over that in in this movie. Whereas the 1990 version, you see that it's that he actually knows some of the history of the town too it's not just ben but him yeah it's more i think they give it more to ben in this film yeah kind of like oh i've been doing research god and there was a all right this is just me nitpicking but there's there's a part in the book and and james is glad this wasn't in the movie but i sort of wish it was where mike gets attacked by a giant creepy fucking bird and i thought that that we we don't need that i'm just saying 2017 i'm just saying man no one's gonna think that's scary no it would have been scary i'm telling you uh, my biggest plot, other than the Mike thing, uh, that's definitely a weakness. He's probably the weakest character out of all of them, which I hope they flip around and he becomes a better character. Because I even think in the 1990 version, he's a weak character until he's an adult. Yeah. And then he's much more enjoyable because he kind of is the um, the trigger for everyone to come back and fight Pennywise one final time. Um, I would say, though, that I didn't like how the second, the like it's the last quarter of the film, how they kind of team back up. Mm-hmm. Because everybody breaks up because they're like, oh, we can't do this shit. It's after they fight Pennywise the first time. Yeah. And Eddie breaks his arm. Yeah. Basically. So then his mom, his mom's super fucking creepy, by the way. And they're like, oh, we can't do this. We got to just go home and like ignore um, everything we're doing, basically. Yeah. They have their own little feud within the group. Yeah. So Richie and Bill, right? Bill, yeah. They just kind of duke it out. And then all we see is Richie. More like Bill decks him out, but. Oh, yeah. Bill talks to Richie eventually, like, oh, they took Beverly, because he finds out they took Beverly. Yeah. And then, out of nowhere, like, I don't know if they missed 10 minutes of the film, but then they're all <laughs> just together. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that part I was like, was plot hole? Dude, I was like, it would have been kind of cool to see everybody come back together. I, I know they probably did this just because of uh, 
like the plot and just kind of speeding it up. Constraint. But come on, man, it could have been like a 10 second montage. That really bothered me for some reason. Yeah. I just saw it cut and I was like, that's the only editing in the entire film where I was like, that seems kind of shitty. It felt like they prepped more for the first fight than the second yeah, fight. Yeah, And I felt I like, like, you guys probably could have switched that and had showed more preparation for the final fight. Because it makes more sense because they need to team everyone up. And yeah. then, it, once again, going back to Mike, Mike's very hesitant about even helping these guys out because he's like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. So yeah. This is why I'm homeschooled. And then out of nowhere, he's just there with a gun, with the meat, uh, the the cattle gun thing. And I was like, oh, I guess Mike's okay with it now. Yeah. Um, overall, though, I really enjoyed it. I'd say I'd recommend this to any horror fan. Uh, it sounds like I would recommend it to fans of the book as well. Um, definitely not for kids, probably. I would say the same. Debatable, um, of course. Cause... Yeah, I, I would say like maybe for older kids, maybe like yeah, ages 12, 12 and up, de- maybe. De- depending. Maybe. It's a stretch. The movie is scary as fuck. I'll tell you that. Um, but I would definitely recommend it to avid horror fans and obviously fans of the book. I, I say it's a, it's a solid um, adaptation of the book. In my opinion, it's a solid adaptation. No, I agree. Great film. And uh, that's our review of It from 2017. So uh, thank you, everybody. This is... Uh the end of our podcast number six here uh once again great turnout for our feedback here um we've noticed that we've gotten a lot more reviews on itunes thank you if you haven't done that yet please keep subscribing sharing reviewing uh marco can you tell them how to reach us at twitter and facebook yeah you can reach us on twitter um and our twitter handle is at moviepalspod you can also find us on facebook that's facebook dot com slash moviepalspod send us uh any feedback any type of reviews that you want to leave on our pod if you want to suggest a topic as well too like james said earlier we're going to keep that going uh we're going to try to get to every single one if possible so you can shoot us a line on twitter or uh, facebook or you can directly message us awesome uh our next film that we are aiming to review which should be the return of nabil as well by the way is going to be kingsman the golden circle so be on the lookout for that should be coming out roughly in another two weeks here for us to record that. Um, so until next time, this has been James and Marco. Have a good one.